This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. And welcome to episode 16 of What Did You Watch This Week? My name is Mike. And my name is John, as usual. Nice. And today, or this week, or whatever, at this point in time, we're going to talk about what we watched this week. Such a... I'm glad that we decided to go in a different direction for this show. Um, right. You know, compared to the last 15 episodes, it's it's nice to branch out a little bit, show that we have some diversity. we got to so, mix things up. That's right. Exactly. That's Keep people guessing. we got to mix things up. So, um, John. Yes, Michael. What did you watch this week? Well, I watched a lot of stuff, but I think first and foremost was uh, Game of Thrones, The Battle of the Bastards. Oh, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> now, those who listen regularly will remember that last week I was uh, kind of chiding the Game of Thrones people. Uh, Mike, you got in on it a little bit, too. Yeah. We were basically saying that they had done so much build-up and so many episodes that were like kind of filler episodes that this better be worth it or, you know, we'd riot. I definitely think it was worth it. Oh, yeah, I definitely think it was worth it as well. Uh, it was a great episode. Um, <clears throat> I... I, I... I wonder who the big bad villain is going to be now. Is it going to be Sparrow? Are they going to build him up even more? Because we had Joffrey for so long. We had, you know, we had Ramsey for so long. Yep. And they're both gone. And I feel like the show needs to have that ultimate, disgusting, vile villain person to keep it running. I think at this point what you're going to see is um, – it, it's going to sound weird, but I think it's going to be Tommen. Um I think that now that he's kind of being swayed by the High Sparrow, uh, we're going to see him turning on... We've already seen him turn on his mother. Uh, yeah, that's true. And we're going to see him turn on the rest of the kingdom and basically say, oh, this is how we're going to run things, and pretty soon it's going to be the <sighs> world against him. He's going to be a big old tyrant. Yeah. Hmm. That would be out of left field, but, yeah. I can, but I see the slow build they're going with on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this episode, of course, started off like kind of – they started off with the Battle of Marine. Yeah, which I'm glad they did, actually. Yep. I was a little worried at first. That, I'm like, oh, no, we're not going to get to the real battle, are we? Nope. But, but uh, they that was handled very well, too. That was very <laughs> exciting. Yeah. I actually put in one of my notes, dragons plus ships equals no ships. Yep. <laughs> Danny Danny unleashed the other two dragons from the crypt and uh, basically sent them out there to show, hey, this is what I can do. Look, I've right. got three of these. They just incinerated one of your ships, and you can't touch me. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah I liked, uh, I liked um, oh, the dwarf's name. I can't think of his name. Tyrion. Tyrion. Yeah. Uh, I liked when he said, uh, I like his whole speech the whole speech that he yes. gave about how they're going to have to kill one of you now because we had made a deal. <laughs> yep. And you went back on that deal. And he just said it all so matter-of-factly. Right, right. It was great. And it's then, of like, course... One of you's yeah. got to die. That's yeah. it. You know? 
Yeah, and then Grey Worm being like, we have no beef with you men. You can go home to your families if you want. And they all run away. <laughs> yeah, they literally laid down their weapons. They're like, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so great, too, that, you know, of the three masters, you know, one of you has to die. The two on the end were, like, pointing to the guy in the middle. They're like, it's him. It's him. Kill him. Yeah. And uh, He's not one of us. Yeah. Put him down on the ground. And then he chopped the head off of the other two. <laughs> yeah, and then the Dothraki people coming in to take on the... Uh... Yeah. Because that was... They were murdering all kinds of women down there. They were. I can't think of the name now, but the kids, the people in the gold masks. The uh, Sons of the Harpy. Thank you, Sons of the Harpies. Yeah, they were They were going to town until all those Dothraki showed up. Yeah, and then the Dothraki so. showed up and said, we treat our women better. Yep. So, I don't know, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was good. And then even the meeting with the... Um, with, I can't think of names this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, right? I just want to say Reek, but it's not Reek. Oh, Ramsey? Thank you. Oh, no, no, not no, no. Ramsey. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, yes. You know who I'm talking about. I I'm do. Just, I, I am doing the, terrible things. Son names. of the Iron Isles. Yeah, yes. And his sister. Yep. It, it was. Wow. See, I just have him in my notes as Reek as well. Um, yeah, I can't, yeah, exactly. So. Although, you got to kind of wonder how they get there so fast. Like, last yeah. episode, they were in a pirate port, and now suddenly they're just, like, in the middle of a siege. They're standing in the castle like, hey, how's it going, Danny? We we wanted to pledge to you. Yeah, that was uh, that was very interesting. Yeah, and it was nice to see that, uh, basically, uh, Tyrion called him out on his bullshit. You know, he's like, yeah, you murdered the Stark boys, and you did this, and you did this, and now you're an asshole. You know, we're going to, we're we're just going to kind of turn our back on you. Yeah, <laughs> but Danny didn't want any of that, right? Uh, what else? So let's just get to the Battle of the Bastards. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Now, how do you think? I mean, we didn't see it yet, but I mean, we'll see it in tonight's episode because we are recording this Sunday morning, right? Which is what does Littlefinger want for his help? Mm-hmm. And he kind of gets he he. I'd say he has a blank check at this point because yeah. You know, if we're following the progression, the the battle was over before it started. You know, Ramsey's troops really had the advantage. They had the oh, size yeah. advantage, and they had yeah. the horses. I mean, they used a giant pile of bodies as a fourth wall. Yeah, when they, when they pinned them in. Yeah, you know, you know, they and had then, lancemen, and and it was insane. Yeah, and then you saw like Snow's men. His archers didn't want to fire because they didn't want to risk killing their own men. Whereas Ramsey could care less. Right. And Ramsey actually ultimately killed, I think, more of his men than Snow's army did, only because <laughs> of the archers. I think you are correct. <laughs> but that was a great, uh, that was a really great battle. I, I, the scene where John was getting suffocated by the bodies, I felt like played out a little too long. Oh, I loved it. I, I mean, I thought it was good. I just mm-hmm. thought it played out a little too long. Yeah. Yeah. That was for my I, liking. I guess. It, it felt claustrophobic like i found myself oh it did yeah while i was watching it <laughs> maybe that's why i feel like <laughs> played out a little too long like, Come on, move it. yeah exactly but then to get back to your original point you know at the last minute Littlefinger rides in with the knights of the veil yeah. and turns the tide completely oh. because now you've got horsemen massively i mean the horses just blew through the shields yeah yeah destroyed that phalanx things. wall and yeah um, and then you know ramsey rides back to winterfell 
And he's like, oh, we can hold up here for days. Nope, not when there's a giant willing to give his life to break the wall down. Here yeah. comes one one. Yeah. <laughs> I was glad, too, because I was like, no, they can't end it like this, and then we'll do, like, a prolonged siege, and they'll try yeah, to episodes. And no, he knocked that thing right in. Knocked yeah. that door in. He lit him up with arrows, and, you know, unfortunately, yeah. we saw the downing of the one one. Yeah. Yeah, and then Ramsey. I've I've decided to take up your offer on one on one battle after all. Yeah. <laughs> like the guy, even even when he knew he was beat, he still he just couldn't let that arrogance go. Nope. And you know. I'd like to give a shout out there to uh, Sansa for coming full circle on the whiny little girl that she was when we first uh, met her in season. Yeah, one. massively. You know she she had that all set up with Littlefinger, uh, without even telling John basically. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely like, without telling him. And like you said, you know, we don't know what she promised, what he wants in return. You know, it could yeah. be something nefarious. He could say that he wants Winterfell since there are now no male Stark children because Ramsay right. played that very awesome game of chase, I guess, yeah. tag yeah. with Rick on in the beginning. Which, incidentally, if you're the actor on the show and you're like, oh, I'm Rickon Stark, yes, I'm one of the Stark kids. No, you're the worst Stark kid. <laughs> you get seen the least, you have yeah. no lines, and you just get murdered. Yes, but not even, like, outright murdered. Like, Ramsey told him, you know, run, run, you have to run. That's how the game is played. And then he just yeah. toyed with him, firing yeah. arrows around him, you know, one right in front of him so that he tripped on it, and then right at the last second, straight through his chest. And then, of course, John fell, just completely fell for it. Like, oh, yeah. Exactly what Sansa told him not to do, exactly yep. what Sansa said that Ramsay would do. And even she basically said, like, Rickon's lost. He's dead. There's yep. no sense even trying for him. There's no reason Ramsay would keep him no, alive. Exactly. There's no way he's going he's gonna to live through this. I mean, right. she was basically saying, my brother's as good as dead. We need to face that. Yep. And again, once again, coming full yep. circle for her yep. to be that shrewd and that calculating. Yep. And then, um, and then John, you know, <laughs> uh, beating the absolute crap out of Ramsey. Yeah. <laughs> like all the archers are like, he's like blocking his arrows and everyone's like, oh, he's got this. Yeah. Yeah. John Snow kind of went on. Uh, I saw a couple places online. He went full Leroy Jenkins and just yes. through everybody. He was a whirlwind on the battlefield and then yeah. just took Ramsey down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the end, he was like, oh, he's not mine to kill, though. You know, he's looked at Sansa, saw her there, and he was like, oh, he's not mine to kill. Yep. And boy, she yeah. had fun with oh, that. Man, yeah, yeah. The, My wife couldn't even watch that scene with the hounds. It was a bit disturbing, but, I mean, it all happened yeah. off screen, so. But still, yeah. Yeah. To, even to the lead it. up, like when the, 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 the dog's licking his face, she's like, I just can't watch this. I cannot watch this. <laughs> Like Sansa so. said, you know, it's your own fault. He's like, they'll never turn on me. Well, you didn't mm -hmm. feed him for seven days. And then she, like, went to look away and stopped and looked back to watch it a little bit. Yep. And then as she's walking away, the little smile. I mean, like, yeah, full circle, big time. Yeah. And once again, I'm glad that they didn't, you know, draw that out. We're going to keep him as a prisoner. No. Nope. You know, she told him right in the beginning, your name will die, your lineage will die, your castle will die, everything will die, you will not be remembered at all. Yeah. And I liked it when uh, when they met the day before and Ramsey was being his arrogant self and, and like, we're sitting there and, and then Sanj just goes, you'll die tomorrow and rides off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, before anybody else did, like, John's sitting there like, yeah. wait, what? I, I thought yeah. we were still talking. Yeah. 
So, I don't know. It was good. It was a good episode. Really good episode. I'm curious to see where they go uh, tonight's show. Right. Obviously, Littlefinger wants something. Right. And considering that they blew their entire budget on uh, that battle. (laughs) That was an insane battle. Yeah. And I'm wondering if we're going to see a battle in Marine with the uh, Ironborn and their uncle. Could be. Yeah. Or they'll save that for next season. But... Um, right. It'll, it depends. I mean, there's something, something's got to come to a head in this. I mean, like they got to try and finish off what they can, of course, while giving us a cliffhanger at the same time. Right. We've still got the stuff going on with the, uh, with the iron throne and the sparrow doing his bit to bring the king over to his side, I guess. Yeah. And we didn't even see the queen at all. Nope. You know, this last episode. So, <sighs> it'll be interesting. Be, yep. And this will be the final episode of the season. I know already. Like, it seems like it went so fast. <laughs> and then we'll have to wait another year or so. Yep. Yep, indeed. So, on, uh, <clears throat> on, uh, Hell on Wheels this week. Yeah. It was another amazing episode. Uh, when I say this week, I mean a week ago on Saturday. So, like, the, uh, 18th episode. Okay. Because I haven't watched last night's yet. Um, you know, Bohannon, he uh, gets back to his family. And as I expected, his wife had moved on and she married someone else. So he is not happy with it, but accepts it, but not really. I mean, it does upset him. and But he escorts them back to Salt Lake City so to make sure they get there safely. Because we finally saw some engines this season with uh, some Indians showing up on it. And then he uh, ends up getting back to his railroad. And uh, we'll finally, we're going to progress. You know, the rest of the last uh, five episodes will be him building the railroad, I think. That's how they're going to play out. So it was a great episode. It was a more of an emotional episode as far as him dealing with his wife and kid and, and basically walking away from them at her request, even though she was... Not sure about it. So interesting. So he didn't just kill the new husband and say, "I'm back." No, no, he didn't. And you thought that was going to happen at one point, um, but essentially, it was one of those. It was almost one of those tired, played out. Like this is the best thing we have to, uh, you know, the the, the self martyring. They both kind of self martyred. He and and his wife, uh, as far as saying like the best thing for William and the best thing for everything is. Is, is being with the, this other guy and being with the Mormons and on and on and on. And yeah. So, gotcha. I don't know. It was a good episode, but it was definitely more of an emotional episode than it was anything else. Interesting. And then, of course, like I said, it finishes off with them returning to uh, the Central Pacific Railroad to work on. Yeah, the Truckee. Thank you. Returning to Truckee to work on the railroad to try and beat... Uh, Durant from the Union Pacific Railroad. I wonder if they'll make it. Well, it is kind of based on a true story as far as they built the railroad and where right. they met. So <laughs> you could go look it up if you wanted to see where they actually met and find Spoilers. out who wins the race <laughs> on the show. Um, which kind of that leads me into this other thing I want to talk about real quick. Okay. So the wife and I, we watched Eddie the Eagle. And I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, yeah, it's the one by the guy who did Kingsman that has nothing to do with Kingsman. Absolutely, yes. It's got uh, Hugh Jackman in it. 
he's like the uh, secondary, he's the coach character. And uh, Eddie the Eagle is actually based on Michael Eddie Edwards, who was uh, a Brit who ended up representing the United Kingdom in the uh, the high jump for skiing in the Winter Olympics. Right. So my rant is going to be about Hollywood and their creative license, quote fingers, with biopics and based on actual events and everything. Because I'm almost getting kind of like, I hate the fact that they can go, well, this is based on this person, but other than his name and the fact that he was a ski jumper, everything else is different. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. for instance, in the movie, he it's portrayed that he goes to Germany to train, meets up with this trainer, the trainer begrudgingly takes him on, you know, he somehow manages to, you know, uh, with all the obstacles that the British Olympic Committee put in front of him, he somehow manages to overcome them by going on this tournament, this tour, uh, and he barely qualifies for the Olympics, and then he gets in there for the Olympics, you know, and he does, he comes in last place in both the 70 and 90 meter high jump. And the fact that he did them is amazing, um, just because that is really high up. And people get seriously injured. But they make it seem like, you know, he had, he had, yes, he had to overcome adversity, but like in real life, he didn't go to Germany. He went to New York and trained. The Hugh Jackman character is a completely fictional character. His whole backstory, which is a part of the movie, is a completely fictional back character. You know what I mean? Backstory. He actually represented the United Kingdom in the long jump in the World Championships the year before the 88 Olympics, which is never touched on in the movie, which is completely left out. They just make it seem like he barely got into the Olympics and everything else. Well, he had already represented the UK in the long jump prior to the Olympics. And then he was in the Olympics. And then what was true was after that, they did make it, the Olympic Committee, as well as most all countries, made it almost impossible for someone to do what he did, which is kind of like he did literally pick a sport two years before the Olympics and then did it. And then because he was the only one in all the United Kingdom that was doing it, you know, weaseled his way on to the Olympic team that way. Whereas now they make it that you had to have competed in so many competitions and on and on and on. But that's not touched on in the movie either. So it was just... So, I mean, it was a good flick. We liked the flick. And then when I go online after to read about more to see what happened next type of thing, you find out that, you know, 90% of the movie was, was fictional. I've thought for quite a while that when they do stuff like that with TV shows, movies, et cetera, they'll say, you know, based on true events or based on a real story or, yeah. you know, stuff like that, that they should have to have, like with foods, they should have to have some kind of disclaimer that says, you know, yeah. 90% of this is made up. Or tell us exactly yeah. what was real and then let us realize that the rest of it's fake. Right. You know, you see that all the time, especially in modern horror movies. You know, I keep seeing, what is it, The Conjuring? I keep seeing previews yeah. for that based on real events. Show me exactly what the real events were. Like somebody yeah. thought they had a haunted house and called into, uh, you know, Unsolved Mysteries back in the 80s. And they're like, hey, that was a real event. They thought yeah. it was haunted. We just embellish the rest of it. What if it really was haunted? That's our yeah, story. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm right with you on there. Like, I kind of get tired of that myself. You know, it's like, all right, <sighs> Haven. It wasn't based on a true story, but they based on you know the novel by Stephen King. You know, the Colorado Kid. Yep. 
And I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. So I watched the series. And then when the series is over, I'm like, I'm going to read the book. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to read the book. And so then I read the book and I find out that literally the book has nothing to do with the TV show or the TV show has nothing to do with the book. I remember you calling me that day and going oh, off yeah. about it. <laughs> it was it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, like, OK, the only thing that's similar is there's a town named Haven. The two old guys from the newspaper, and and the color some someone they called the Colorado kid is killed, and how we got to die in this kind of a mystery. There's no troubles in the book whatsoever, none. There's no Audrey. Did I mention there's no troubles? Did you know what the whole series was based on? The troubles. There's no troubles. It makes no sense why they would claim that it was based on this, other than to say, hey, for you suckers that haven't read the book. Right. <laughs> We're going to say it's based on Stephen King just because of his namesake, and that'll get us ratings. And it, it clearly worked. But yeah, that's just another type of scenario. But yeah, I don't. I'm kind of getting, like you said, they should have some sort of disclaimer. Right. Like, based uh, on an actual event, but really only 10% of the movie is. <laughs> right. Like, I'm surprised we didn't get, you know, uh, Marvel's Civil War based on true events. Well, right. Yes, there was been a Civil War. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That yeah. would have been a selling point. I mean, yeah, but you're right. Like with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, based on actual events, not really. I mean, no. it's based on a guy named Ed Gain, but almost all horror movies are based on what he did. Right. As far as he cut up his mom and cut off her face and made a face mask out of her. Yeah, but it definitely was not a entire family, depending on the version that you watch, an entire exactly. family in some weird house who like to catch people and cut them up. Right. And exactly. So yeah, the. the, the I'm almost tired. I'm not almost. I am kind of tired of the creative license on true stories that Hollywood has. Because then you maybe you'll have one like Pain and Gain, which apparently was 90% true. Uh, see, I read that differently. I read an article on that, and the guy that was their kidnap victim yeah. was talking about how the characters were completely different from their real-life counterparts. They were actually kind of idiots, and there was a lot of inaccuracies in the movie. All right, so I guess that was my bad example. I, I thought, off the top of my head, I thought that was a good one. But. Yeah, I, I, I only Regardless, just saw it recently. You'll have a biopic which is more accurate. Yeah, like maybe the Thirteen Hours of Benghazi, which is more accurate, or Soul Survivor. Um, but because of everything else, you always walk away going, ah, was it, "Did it really happen that way?" Right. You know, so I so don't unless know. it's an actual documentary, and even then, some documentaries, most documentaries, are going to be skewed towards the filmmaker themselves. Oh, uh, King of the Kong, yeah, quarters. Yeah. Like I, I read, I listened to a couple podcasts after that that were done, and right. I read some other stuff on it, and they really make Billy Mitchell look like a big old piece of crap in the in the film. Right. That documentary, he comes off looking at like the arrogant, self-centered jerk, and and all reality. He's not that way at all. Right. Like, I, I listened to a couple things where people were just like, yeah, Billy's, like, they really made him look like the bad guy in that because maybe that looks better if they have a bad guy, but Billy's not really a bad guy at all. Like, this, specifically, there's this one scene where Billy and his wife come into this tournament that's happening, and Steve Weeb is there participating, and it makes it look like Billy just kind of ignores him and walks by him and doesn't actually talk to him or do anything. Um, yeah, Billy did leave him alone while he was playing the game. Right. Because he was playing the game. He was actively competing. And then once he was done, he did go up and talk to him. But they never showed any of that. They just cut it to make it look like Billy was kind of a jerk and snubbed him. 
So again, yeah. it's the it's the perspective of the person doing the documentary, and yeah. a lot of people think that we need a villain in a story. You know, you need a hero yeah. and a villain. Yeah, not really. As long as if if, if your subject matter is compelling, you don't need the the cheap cheap right. at all. Exactly. But Eddie the Eagle is a good flick on its own, so it's worth checking out. Just understand that it's fake. Just understand that it's not as accurate as it wants you to think it is. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about Casual real quick. Another okay episode. I still recommend watching the show. Okay. That's about it. I'm done. <laughs> that was quick. Yeah. Um, person of interest. Person of interest. So now so, we've got two episodes to talk about. Yeah, yeah, we do have two episodes to talk about. And you were right. Like, you could watch one without the other completely. Yep. Yeah. So the um, the episode of uh, It's a Wonderful Life episode. Yep. I really That's enjoyed the best way it. I could refer to it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. I, I liked how the machine was showing him how things could have been. Yeah, it was that. It was a confusing episode to begin with because yeah. it kind of jumped around in the timeline a bit. Uh, but I, I like the fact that the machine gave the number of the head of Samaritan, you know, one of his alternate uh, alternate personalities, yeah. uh, gave that to the team so that they could basically be there to help save Finch at the end. Yes, it's one of those, uh, yeah. you know, everything kind of happens for a reason. That's one thing that this show is really good at showing us. Yeah. You know, everything happens for a reason. So putting these people into place at the right times in the right places to make sure that things happen. Yep. I mean, like, you know, we see the alternate world where Fusco's dead. Uh, Fusco is a uh, piece of crap. Yeah. Still. Yep. He loses his badge for disgrace. You know, Reese is dead. Yep. He basically died that night. Yeah, because that, he had nothing to live for. You know, yeah. he had lost the love of his life and yeah. been disavowed. And so when Finch showed up, if Finch had not showed up, then he would have been dead. Yep. In an unmarked grave, basically. Yep, yep. We did see that that Samine would still be doing what she always did. Yep. Working for the bad guys, essentially. Killing innocent people. Yep. It would show that it showed us that Root would be working for Samaritan. Yeah, she'd be co-opted that, no matter what. That Samaritan, and she would be all 100% all about Samaritan. Yep. You know, and then it showed us, well, but, and then the only thing that was really happy or good was that Carter was still alive and that she was the captain. Yep. I you wish know? they could have gotten her in I there. I know, for, yeah. Even if it was just like a little cameo, that's all it yeah. had to be. That would have been cool, yes, I agree. But, you know, it really showed us, too, how far Fusco's character has come from the first episode he was in until now. Amen to that. Yeah. I mean, like, he was really a character where he, where he was, like, a scummy, scummy guy that made the big turnaround and you were rooting for. Right. Yeah. Yep. But then the, the main focus of this episode, other than showing the alternate realities, was that Finch wanted to get in to basically Fort Meade, I guess. And he wanted to put the Ice-9 virus into the system so that it would yeah. corrupt Samaritan and basically corrupt the machine and kill them both. Yeah. Because Finch is still convinced that, you know, we don't need this AI controlling our lives, either one of them. Right. You know, we need to have free will as humans and not have God, quote-unquote, looking over our shoulders all the time. 
Now, what kind of finch do you think we would have had in the series if he would have been from the beginning like he is now, where he sees someone and he's like, oh, blah, 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 your family, your daughter will get that heart that she wants. Oh, I like you know to what think I mean? that it would have been very interesting. I think he probably would have given the machine more autonomy if he had been like this. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like he would sit there and talk, oh, oh, your, your daughter will get the heart that she wanted if you let me go. But if not, she will go to the bottom of the list and she'll be dead in five weeks. Yeah. Like, like wow. <laughs> doesn't even have to raise a fist and he's getting people to yeah. do what he wants because the machine is talking directly to him and giving him all the right answers. Yep. So it was good. It was a good episode. Yeah. And it ended with Finch activating the virus. You know, he'd been, yes. the machine had been showing him all the good that has happened because it was around or she was around. Let's just call yep. it her. You know, I was around. This is all the people that you saved, not to mention the members of your team. They're leading better lives because of you. And he's like, yep. sorry, I've got to do this. I can't let it live. And yep. he activated. Yeah. And the machine kind of let him, basically yep. showed him that he needed to do it, kind of yep. gave him permission. And then he launched the virus, and that's how that episode ended, yeah. So then and we then, jump into the finale. Which, and, go ahead. I was going to say, this episode was, again, confusing, because it starts off with narration by the machine, basically saying, if you're listening to this, we lost, or we're gone. We're all gone. Yeah. I don't know if we are all lost, alone, yeah. but you're all alone. And so the then it shows a scene with Harold on top of a building, but then we jump back in time yeah. to what got him to here. what led him there, yeah, yeah. So it was a little confusing, but holy God, I couldn't look away from the screen the whole time. I, okay, so they were playing the, uh, I had to look the music up because the music they were playing <laughs> sounded kind of familiar, and it was from Ex Machina, so it kind of was like, oh, I guess, okay, makes sense. Yep. Um, it was good music. Oh, it haunted me. It was, yes, exactly. It was very haunting, very compelling towards the episode. I, um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. A little upset with the ending. I was upset as well, but probably not quite the same way you were. Okay. Go ahead. I, I just, I, they killed Reese. Yep. And not only did they kill Reese, but they kill Reese and like Samin and Fusco don't know if he made it or not. And they haven't heard from him and they'll essentially never know. Right. Unless they run into Harold again. But Harold looks like he, you know, he's completely given up because he went and saw his woman that he refused to go visit or ever let her know that he was still alive. Yep. And he revealed himself to her, which means like he's he's done. He's washed his hands of all computer-based stuff <laughs> uh, because he wants to be with her, which is cool. Yep. Um, but I hate the fact that they killed Reese. I hated it as well just because of the loss of the character. Yeah. Um, but I understood what they were doing. You know, he said it himself. He said, all this time I've wanted to save the world, and I've only been doing it one person at a time, and yeah. this feels like I'm actually getting a chance to really save the world. But they didn't even give us the thought that maybe he could have made it through that, that missile launch. Right. You know, because they had the four guys surrounding him just unload their weapons into him. Absolutely. Yeah. Which they I was like, to... that, that seems a bit much. Well, I think that they wanted to make sure that we knew that he was dead. They were yeah. like, we don't want there to be like, oh, maybe he got out. They were like, we want people to know that this is final. 
Um, the the music in this episode, I made notes twice in my in my uh, writings that the music was just awesome. It just kept getting me. It was that synth music, like you said in the beginning. Yep. And then towards the end, it was something about the score that was outlining like what Finch was doing on that rooftop. You know, the machine yep. and John had led him to the wrong one because he tried to lock John in a vault. Yeah. You know? He he locked Reese in there. And said, "This is my thing. I'm going to finish it up." And yeah, Reese had still owed him. You know, I owe you for saving my life all those times, and I want to pay it all back at once. So yeah, they worked together and got Harold onto the wrong building, and John took to the right building, basically trying to stop Samaritan from uploading a copy of himself to a satellite that could be then beamed down, and he could restart from the beginning. Well, he, Samaritan did get uploaded to the satellite. It was, they also uploaded what was oh, last yes. of the machine to the satellite, and then they had to battle. Yes. Yes, because Samaritan had made sure, was yes. trying to make sure that they couldn't do that by sending a cruise missile towards yes. the building. Yeah, but they got the, they, the machine was uploaded, and apparently they battled, and then the machine launched itself back down and, and started up again. Yep. Yeah, which was kind of interesting as well. And not so, only started up again, but called Samin. Yes, and I think that that kind of answers your question about Samin and Fusco not knowing if John's dead. If the machine's contacting them, I think that it'll let them know. By the way, you know, he didn't make it. He sacrificed himself for... Yeah. So they gave us hope that it'll move on, you know, that the machine will... Yeah, the machine lived. Samin still has a purpose in life. But if Harold doesn't know, then who's going to be watching over the machine to prevent it from becoming the next Samaritan? Oh, well... I guess we have the hopes the machine won't become the next Samaritan because the machine had something Samaritan didn't have. A conscience? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was an underlying theme throughout this because yeah. we saw the the random people that have been helped by the machine, and she kept yep. talking about how she's learned because, you know, she learned that everybody dies alone, but she couldn't remember the other part of it, and it was basically yeah. that, um, you know – if you mean something to someone, if you touch somebody, if they were better off for your presence, then maybe you never really die. Yeah, yes, yes. Which is what separates her from Samaritan. Exactly, yes. Samaritan was just full on. I mean, yeah. Samaritan had no conscience. Right. There was just, there was no shades of gray. There was just literally black and white. And ultimately, like even in that episode, the third from the last, where we met the two teams. I mean, even Samaritan even felt the president number was irrelevant. Exactly. That's the point I was going to make, too. Just, yeah. you know, there's no way to. And I'd be interested. I, w- I thought that what they were going to do was that at the very end, we had this guy. I kept calling him the redhead, but he was basically that Irish prisoner who just kept showing up. Like, he's the one that shot Root, and he's the one that yes. Samaritan kept yes. directing around. Um, it, Shaw went after him, and I thought she was going to recruit him now that Samaritan was done. Like, she yeah. was going to recruit him oh, to be no, part I of the team. Oh, no, I never thought that was going to happen. And boom, she yeah. did not let that happen. Nope, nope, nope. No, no, I never thought that was going to happen. I always felt 100% that Shaw was just going to kill him because he killed Root. So she felt better after that. <laughs> oh, yeah, she did. And then she went and got her dog. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I liked how they actually had that little spat over whose dog it was. Well, it's like my uh, my buddy Rude was saying. Uh, he's like, "Oh, I just watched the first of interest finale the other night." And I'm like, "Oh, don't tell me, I haven't watched it yet." He's like, "I'll just tell you this: the best character on the show makes it through. Don't worry." <laughs> I'm like, the, 
Like the best character. He's like, yeah. And I was just, he's talking about the dog. I got it. <laughs> Bear, Bear was a cool character, uh, a little underutilized, but he kind of he brought levity in a few places that. Well, just the episode where, he, where he's introduced is awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I never thought that they'd go further with him. Like they yeah. took him from those guys, and I thought, okay, well that's over with. And he became a mainstay on the show. Yeah, he did. I just thought it was funny. as like, well, he speaks. What was he speaks German? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he's not listening to you because he understands German. And then he gives him command and he attacks him instantly. <laughs> so I got to say, overall, this show was a delight from start to finish. I mean, yeah, I agree. Huge I agree. character development, you know, pertinent information. It felt like today, you know, this could be happening without us realizing it always felt realistic, whereas a lot of computer based shows feel very fantastical. Yes, yeah. They're over the top. Yeah, yeah. Or they yeah. make computers seem like magic wands, which they really aren't. No, not at all. The, and I just, I adored this show. I'm sorry to see it go, but I'm so glad that it went out the way that it did. You know, yeah, despite the death of the major character. So, you got anything you want to you wanna share with us that I probably didn't watch, like Outcast or whatever? <laughs> yeah, there's a number of them. I'll, I'll be quick on two of them. Houdini and Doyle was good this week. We got to meet Bram Stoker and some of his fans who uh, believed that vampires were real. So, that was kind of cool. We had uh, another episode of Brain Dead where I was talking to my sister and she brought up a good point. The show can't quite decide if it wants to be a comedy or a drama. Like, it has the tendency to do both. Like, sometimes it seems like they're going for a laugh, and sometimes it seems like they're going for the real dramatic political buildup. So if it could pick a side and go to that, I think that it would do better. But as of yeah, right now... Yeah, you either need to be a full-blown comedy that can do drama... Yep. ...or a drama that has some comedy. Right. But right now, it doesn't really know which one it wants to be. And Tony Shalhoub doesn't help that, because Tony Shalhoub is a goofy guy even when he's trying to play serious. Yeah, he really is. Look at Galaxy yeah. Quest. <laughs> um, oh, monk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I'm continuing to watch that for now. Uh, Outcast was good. This week, we dealt less with demons and possession. We talked to yep. one old woman who was possessed, uh, but we dealt more with um, the sister and her shady past with this guy last week she was like stalking this guy she saw some guy and it obviously triggered something in her and she was very panicky this week we discover that you know he was a foster kid that her parents took in and he abused her sexually so she's got some unresolved issues with him and he's in town not a bad episode a little slow for my liking but you know i went through it i'm sure the next one will be better and uh this week also – now, last week was supposed to be the premiere of The Last Ship, season okay. three, yep. which I still enjoy as a show. Uh, it's it's changed directions a lot, kind of like a person of interest. You know, it's grown. It's not just three seasons of them being out on the ship going, how can we cure this virus? You know, now the cure is known. The world is starting to get back together. The power's back on, the internet, et cetera. You know, people are starting to rebuild society. Um but they didn't do it last or the week before. So not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before that. Uh, it was supposed to be the premiere, but they um, preempted it, the two-episode premiere, because of the Orlando shooting. 
And I saw why this time when they finally showed the episode, it's because there's a uh, nightclub in Vietnam that gets shot up. You know, terrorists come in and they take people hostage and they shoot it up. So, yeah, it would have been a little bit too close to home with Orlando just happening. So I'm glad they made the right decision on that one. But, you know, two episodes. It was. It's the still, thing is, sure. though, real quick. Sure. I don't like it when they do the stuff like that because the show wasn't written and filmed two months ago based on what happened in Orlando. I know that. Yeah, I know. I know the PC world we live in. People are just like. Oh, we can't have talk about that because something like that just happened. Happens all the time, everywhere, all around the world. I mean, you know, different things at different times, whatever. But yep. it wasn't like they were trying to capitalize on what happened. Nope. I, I can see why they delayed it. I just, I think they're more worried about not worried about. Oh, we're going to look like we're capitalizing on it. I think it's yeah. more that it's a fresh, open wound for those people down there. But that's and if they were that's what I mean. Show, people don't take it as, oh, you know, it's just this is a fictional show and this was filmed months ago. They take it as, oh, how dare they do that? Yeah. So it forces the producers then to say, well, we're going to have to delay this episode or air it out of order or whatever it is we're going to need to do because something else just happened and we don't want to be perceived as having, you know, or, you know, that's all. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's still an enjoyable show. I'll keep watching it for now. Um, the uh, I did watch two more episodes of The Path, so I'm up to episode seven now. I, I have not watched six. any past those first two, and I have not even had an inkling to turn it back on. <laughs> um, I'm still finding it enjoyable. It's uh, it, it's getting a bit predictable. I kind of saw the past few things coming. You know, he's got this girlfriend, and he he's conflicted. I, I was praising it originally because I was like, well, he's, you know, a teenage kid who this girl's interested in him and he uh, still maintains that his religion is right and he's not just falling for his base um, hormones. And then these two episodes proved me wrong because now he's just falling for his base hormones. So that wasn't much fun. And Aaron, <laughs> Aaron Paul's character keeps waffling like one minute. He's like, no, this is the best religion ever. I must do this for my family. And then suddenly an episode or two later, he's like, well, wait, there's something wrong and I can smell it. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you did in the beginning, you know, the first episode, you smelled something wrong and then you decided to deny it. And now you're smelling it again. So let's figure this out. I'll keep watching it though. I only have four more episodes left for this season and I'm interested to see how it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I don't think I'm going to turn it back on. That's fine. You, it, that's the thing is if you really don't like something. Uh, yeah, I just – it's like I watched the first couple seasons of Hemlock Grove. And when I first started watching, I couldn't get into it, and then I gave it a chance again. And I really enjoyed it. <clears throat> and then I really enjoyed the second season. And then the third season just kicked on, and I have yet to even – like. I tried watching the beginning of it, and I just I haven't even watched it. I think it's been out a year now on Netflix, and I haven't I haven't even had the inkling to go back to look at it yet. I never got into it. I just I couldn't bring myself to doing it. Yeah, it just didn't look that good. Yeah, I guess ultimately it's really not. Um, um so I did watch two episodes of uh, Preacher. Oh, good. And I wanted to watch the other two episodes that were out because I have, you know, there was a, I think the fifth one's on tonight, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So the first four, I watched two of the, I watched the first two, and I wanted to watch more, but I was just super tired last night, and I had a 
a long day day today and uh, <laughs> couldn't watch the other two or else I would have because it is so good. <laughs> Isn't it awesome? <laughs> I absolutely love this show. Like, it is great. That airplane uh, fight scene just sold oh, me on it immediately. Oh, yeah. Uh, what I really enjoyed about it was uh, the preacher at the bar. Like, when the kid was saying, I want you, you know, you did, th- I heard you did stuff before you came back here. Yep. I want you, you know, it was like, what am I supposed to do? Hit him once? Hit him twice? Oh, no, that's <laughs> going to make him angry. And then I'll have to, then his friends will be there, and then I'll have to defend myself, and then I'll get myself in trouble. And, you know, he's basically like, so he tries, though. He t- tries to talk to her, and then she twists it. Oh, no, I like it. It's okay. Yeah, which I couldn't quite tell if it was her defending the guy or if she legitimately, like, there are people out there who like, uh, you know, whips and chains and being yes. abused. And so I couldn't tell which way they were going with that. But regardless, go on. Um, but yes, and then he tried telling the, the sheriff, and the sheriff was basically like, oh, if she wants to file a complaint. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, and then it happens, you know, he's in the bar, the guy shows up. I love that he goes, oh, hey, if we win this time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, the sheriff takes the beating, I mean, the uh, the preacher takes the beating, if you will, and then he says he's going to go beat up the kid, and that was the straw. Yep. That was the straw, and then he, like, you know, like he said, he goes, you don't want to do that. Why? Because you'll hear a sound, <laughs> kind of sound, and he's like, sounds like a, a rabbit caught in a bear trap, a high-pitched whine. You'll recognize it because you're going to be the one that's going to be making it. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to kick the crap out of the preacher. No, 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 you and your buddies are not, because apparently he has had some sort of training that I don't know about yet. That is just phenomenal. And then at the end, I love the part where the sheriff goes, all right, that's enough, preacher. And he goes, one more thing, sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> and the compound fractures his arm. And the, and the sheriff's just like, yeah, okay. Yep. Me. <laughs> and he goes, there's that no- You're ready to make that noise. I love it. Uh, no, that fight scene for me was pretty amazing. So, yeah, I love this show based on the first two episodes. What'd you think about that cold opening in the second episode? Um, Flashback. The start 1881? Yeah. I'm wondering where it's going. I don't think that we really touched upon it since then. No, well, I I don't recall seeing anything by the end of that second episode about it. So I'm really curious as to where it's going, what's happening with it. Um like those okay maybe I, I i don't think i dozed off while watching it but i did get a little confused because like all right so the cassidy kills those two guys in the church in an awesome battle yes yes the one with the chainsaw racing across the floor with the guy's <laughs> yep. arm attached to it heading towards the preacher <laughs> yeah that was fantastic i knew you'd like that one. Oh my goodness that was just the best um but after that, after they're both been killed, the sheriff is meeting with them. Yeah. Did I? Did I like? Did I doze off at some point and get confused? Or they'll explain it in the third episode. Okay. All right. All right. You did not. <laughs> I was off. just like, huh? <laughs> I um, did the same thing, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. But see, I didn't realize this. Like, I knew Garth Ennis had written the graphic novels. Yes. And I knew he also did The Boys, which I read the complete series of The Boys comic books, which is a very adult-oriented comic book, but it's a great story. Coming to Cinemax soon. It is, it is. And I know that coming to Cinemax, that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, whatever, they're doing The Boys. Yep. 
I didn't realize they were doing Preacher as well. Yes. So I saw the credits. Yep. Yeah, the uh, first episode had Talking Preacher afterwards. They don't do Talking Preacher for all of them, just for the first yeah. and the last episodes. And they yeah. sat down with all of them, you know, Evan and, and all of them, and talked about that. And basically they were like, I get to work with my best friend and create something that we've loved for years. But they had to adapt a lot of it for the small screen. Yeah, I, I imagine based on the fact that it's Garth Ennis that – they had to tone it down quite a bit, so I'm, I'm probably going to try to seek out and read the graphic novels. Well, it's not even just that they had to tone it down. Apparently in the comics, Jesse is not a preacher, um, and the comic takes place around the world, like different places. Oh, yes. Yes, but, I haven't told that yet. Yeah, for the show, they decided to put it in Texas because it's easier to shoot and yeah. keep the budget in line. Yeah, but um, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm curious as to – all right, so obviously Jesse – has something in him. Yes. Alien of some kind. I'm assuming it's alien. See how it starts out with we're in outer space. Yep. Because it told us outer space. Um, so I'm assuming he has an alien of some being of some kind in him. And then Cassidy is some sort of demon, something or rather that's being hunted. Cassidy, they've actually gone on record. He is a vampire. Oh, he's a vampire. Yeah, and apparently in this world, this was all on Talking Preacher, apparently in this world uh, there are people that hunt vampires, and that's what the people on the plane were. They literally find vampires and hunt them down and kill them because they consider them abominations. And Cassidy okay, just so, wanted to live his life. So he's a vampire. Yes. That's why, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll start seeing more of him, like, getting bothered by the sunlight and such. Well, I did pick up on that. I, 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 he drinks blood. Yep. Lots of it, apparently. Eats a cow. He eats a cow. Yeah, he's definitely bothered by the sun. Falling thirty thousand feet out of a plane doesn't kill him; it just makes him have a bad day. Um, <laughs> In a pile of goo. I didn't. I didn't pick up on him being a vampire. Yeah, so. I didn't either okay. at first. But when they said that, I was like, oh, okay. And then you start to okay. see it afterwards. And that well, it makes sense. I mean, he puts his hand in the sun; his hand catches fire. He wants to go bury those two guys in the ground, but he can't because the sun's up. Right. So I mean, that a lot of that makes sense. So. Okay, because I'm just like, why? Because I thought he must I, – I, I assumed some sort of demon and then why he was trying to save Jesse when the act when – when the chainsaw was going towards him, I was kind of confused about. Yep. But so he's not a bad I, – because I, I assumed demon bad guy. Right. That's what I assumed at first too, but no, so he's, he's just a He's guy. not a bad guy. Man. Nope. Okay. Nope. He's basically – He's just like Jesse and Tulip. You know, they're people who have bad pasts or may have done bad things, but ultimately yeah. they just want to be happy. They just want to live in the world, yeah, and escape their pasts. Because in the, the you know why I thought Demon is because he found the Bible in the bathroom. Yes, and the Bible was all written through. Yep, and so that's what made me go, oh, he's a demon of some kind. Because he comes out with the Bible and is like, oh, so you found me. Yep. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, all these. Ancient weapons that <laughs> snatched on the plane show up. Yeah, <laughs> I love that scene. It was just so good. Like the axe sitting behind the magazine rack. I was just like, <laughs> how did he not notice that this whole time? 
it was completely over the top and just yeah. so good for it. Just like the church fight scene, you know? Yes. The arm yes. with the chainsaw just oh, screaming across just the floor. Oh, that is ridiculous. That was awesome. That was fantastic. But then it's got all the serious moments, too, like Jesse, the whole second episode, him starting off taking confession from the basically the pedophile bus driver. Yeah, and then going and doing something about it. Yeah, because the guy the basically end. just said, you know, oh, I have these thoughts, but I haven't acted on them. Jesse's like, you can't act on them, Ugh. but he never and- trusts him. Yeah, no, he never trusts him once he tells him that. And then, you know, he tells the guy to, you know, uh, be strong, speak for me, you know, and then open your heart to her. Yeah. And so he flies to floor and cuts the heart out of his chest and presents yeah. it to her. Holy crap. I'm kind of <laughs> glad, to be honest. I hated that character. He was so annoying. Oh, I didn't want to have to was. deal with him the whole season. We've all got that one guy who just won't stop talking, wants to yeah. tell you every detail. Yeah, but I loved this show, and uh, I can't wait to continue watching it. <laughs> yeah, tonight will be episode five. Um, yeah. I've saved my notes on the other episodes, so as you're catching up, I'll be able to follow back along with you. Yeah, I know you touched on them briefly previously, but you're vague, which I appreciated. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love the scene where we get introduced to Jackie Earl Haley sitting in that old couple's house, and <laughs> then they just bulldoze it right under him. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Yep. Because they take all their stuff outside and just leave it on the <laughs> ground and bulldoze the house over. I'm like, what's that all about? So, yeah, interesting, cool, 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 good stuff. Did you uh, did you watch any of um, Orange Is the New Black? We haven't watched any of that yet. We're going okay. to. We watched. Uh, uh, we were watching uh, Master Chef. Ah, uh, I haven't watched any of that yet this season. Um, it's pretty good. Like, uh, it's weird because like the first two episodes are uh, handing out aprons to the top twenty or eighteen, whatever it is. Yep. Um, they do it a little bit differently. Where like previously they'd have like the cook-off thing and they'd give all these people these aprons and then they'd all show up and do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now they just start right out with, okay, that that part's already happened, type of thing. Oh. Um, so essentially they don't show we they show up with forty people aiming for twenty aprons, type of thing. Yep. And then, like, right in the first episode, they eliminate two people. Good. And then in the second episode, there are, like, here, here, well, I say the second. It's technically the third episode they eliminate two people. And then the fourth episode, they're doing a wedding already. Oh, wow. Which, like, my wife and I had talked about, usually they do things like this in later episodes. But it's actually, like, one of the top four from last season. It's his wedding. Oh, Interesting. I can't think of his name now, but yeah, I didn't recognize him. When they were showing the clips of him at the wedding, I didn't recognize it. But then when they introduced him, and of course they, they tell you his name and show past footage and all that. Oh, okay, yeah, I recognize him now. It wasn't Derek the drummer, was it? No, no, no. It was like Manny or something like that. Oh. But anyways, regardless, he was one of the top four. Gotcha. And um, they had other contestants that were on season six were apparently invited to his wedding. Huh. Including Katrina. Remember oh, Katrina? I hated Katrina. <laughs> My wife and I liked her. <laughs> I hated her. Her, her act- natural reaction to everything was to cry and pout like a little girl. She always had the stupid little bow in her hair and like, yeah, I can do better. And you're like, she, shut up, grow up. Uh, on Instagram, she liked one of Kate's photos and, and commented on, on another photo and gave her a follow. Hate her. <laughs> You know what I miss about MasterChef that they haven't done in a few seasons? What? I used to miss the warehouse, you know, where one person would come in at a time and cook a meal. That's you what know? I mean. They, they've done away with that. They yeah. don't do that anymore, yeah. That was my favorite part. It was kind of like the oh, American really? Idol auditions that, you know. Oh, see, I didn't, I didn't care. I thought that was, eh, I'm, I'm okay with that not being on there anymore. Oh, I loved it. Cause Just like the American Idol auditions. 
aren't as weren't near the end weren't as good as they used to be. Gotcha. Because in the in the beginning seasons, they would literally see everybody. The judges would see everybody that came in. Yep. And then by the end, there were so many people that came to audition. Yep. They started screening them prior to, so they had to go through like two phases before they even got to the judges. So that's why you didn't have those over the top, funny, like ridiculous characters. Like, uh, I can't think of his name now. The, the Chung kid. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, William Hung. Yeah. William Hung. There we go. That's why we didn't have those in the last couple seasons because those people never made it to that third round of, of before they actually saw the celebrity judges, if you will. Gotcha. Yeah, which we found out this season when we were watching it. So, but um, I only have one more thing to talk about, and it's trailer. Okay. And uh, I got to get Keenan to baseball here, so I'm gonna have to get going the next little bit here. But go ahead and talk about uh, that movie you went and saw. I want to hear about it. <sighs> All right. So I went and saw a double feature. It was back to back showings of Independence Day and then Independence Day Resurgence. So I watched the first Independence Day. Now, I watched this one at the State Street Cinema multiple times back when that was still around. Oh, you know, man. 1996. Yeah, I, saw I saw it at the State Street Cinema. Oh, such a good movie. It, like, it inspired you. Listening to that speech that he gives, you know, pumped you right oh, up. Oh, that and speech is amazing. That was – literally that movie was the only time I ever dragged my father after the divorce to a movie. Like he's, he wanted to visit with me and my sister and we were like, you got to come see this movie. And we made him go to the theater and he fell asleep and couldn't handle it. But it was just, it was such a great movie for the time. It, it really like, that was one of my jams was that friggin' movie. And, uh, so sitting down in this theater and watching it, you know, right before it's sequel 20 years later, I was just filled with this feeling of my God, this movie does not hold up at all. Really? Really? Like, huh. it wasn't a bad movie, but you start seeing things like the technology they were using at the time and how they were doing the magical computer thing. You know, Jeff Goldblum's like, I wrote a computer virus on my little MacBook, you know, when it still had the multicolored Apple logo. <laughs> and I wrote this computer virus that will interface with the alien's computer. Well, how did you do that? How did you write something that would communicate with the alien language? <sighs> yeah, because you don't even know what the, yep, yep. Um, and things like uh, the the single line stare at the camera thing. They did that so much in there. I didn't even realize, you know, Bill Pullman. They're like, well, what happens if this doesn't happen? And then they zoom in on Bill Pullman's face and he's like, pray to God. Like, really? Stop that. But it was still a good movie. I still enjoyed Independence Day. I still liked, you know, the characters. And Will Smith was over the top, but he was great. And it still leaves you with a feeling of hope, even though it doesn't hold up that well. Yeah, But then the sequel comes along, and they say, okay, what happens if 20 years later, you know, 20 years after the assault? And let me tell you, there were some issues. First off, I'm going to go on record as saying I did not like this movie. I did not. I didn't come out of it, like, wow. wanting to spit, but I did not like this movie. Um, it was ridiculous from the word go. Uh, they actually introduced two characters that had no business being there, except for if this was like a Scooby-Doo episode. They had this guy who was bumbling around with a briefcase following uh, Jeff Goldblum's character going, excuse me, excuse me, commissioner, uh, you have to sign these papers and, and you have to do this. And so by the end of the movie, they've got him with a gun and a helmet 
And he's doing that thing where, you know, there's an entire line of soldiers standing there ready to meet the alien menace. And he goes, how do I do this? And then fires off three shots accidentally, which causes everybody to duck. And you're supposed to laugh and slap your knees. And instead you're like, why are they doing this to my beloved franchise? And and the other guy that they introduced was a South African warlord who refused to wear anything other than a tank top and suspenders and cargo pants and had two machetes strapped to his back. And... Apparently, his country, his his warlord people were the only ones to figure out the alien language because they spent so much time killing them that they eventually figured out how their writing turned into English, which throws a lot of doubt on Jeff Goldblum's ability to write that code back in the first movie. Um, That's true, yeah. The, the premise was that it's been 20 years, 10 of which was still ground war fighting. Apparently, yeah. when they shot down the mothership, there were still some that were on the surface that had been fighting and trying to survive. Yeah. Um, but it was just – it was the summer blockbuster. I was surprised there was nothing on there that said produced by or directed by Michael Bay because it really oh, geez, felt like really? a Michael Bay movie. I'm, I'm really? not kidding, dude. It was – you know, everybody had a love interest. We spent the first movie watching Jeff Goldblum awkwardly try to get back together with his wife. And yeah. then in the second movie, there's literally no mention of her whatsoever. And there's a new woman there that he knows from before who's now his new love interest, you know, because they kind of awkwardly flirt with each other and get on each other's nerves. So not that every does movie. equal love interest, yeah. Yeah, not every movie needs pairing up of people. Not every movie needs to have people like in a romantic situation. Although right. I will say that literally the best romantic situation in that was the bromance between Brent Spiner's doctor, who yep. if you've seen a preview, you know, he's still around cause he was kind of yep. like knocked down by the alien in the first one. And the doctor who's been watching over him for the 20 years, he's been in a coma and they have the best chemistry on the screen. Wait first. a second. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. He's been in a coma for 20 years. Yes. Down in area but 51. But I but I saw him in the trailer being wide awake. Yes, because he wakes up. Yeah, so no, no acid or anything. No, none whatsoever. Just wakes <laughs> up, walks around. Yep. So even though, so in the movie when he's introduced, he's been in a coma. So instantly, your mind goes, "Okay, he he wakes up because I saw him awake in the trailer." Yep, exactly. That. <sighs> Uh, but he was the best part of the movie, and I literally said that out loud in a theater full of people uh, multiple times. Best part of the movie. Still the best part of the movie. Um, wow, you hated the movie that bad you were, you were causing a scene. Well, not only that, but like it was me, and I had a friend on either side of me, and on my right was Jer, and then beyond him were two people who came for the double feature, and they yeah. had like blankets, and, and they were like ready to go, and they were quoting the first movie out loud, so you could tell that they've obviously seen it a bunch of times, and then you know, they'd cheer, and they'd laugh, and they, they were making a bit of a spectacle, so obviously I could tell, and they seemed to love the second movie, which Ugh. really spoke a lot. Here's one of my biggest issues, though. In the very beginning of the movie, we're introduced to a narration that talks about it's Sel- Selma Ward is the um, president. She's the female president because, you know, they yep. uh, make sure that we know that that's coming. Um, <laughs> so she's the female president and the entire world is at peace. Nobody fights with anybody else anymore, except for apparently African warlords and their uh, their war with the aliens. But nobody fights with anybody anymore, and this giant council of people all come to the President of the United States when they have to make a major decision for the world. So yep. firmly implanting the idea that the USA is number one. Yep. Um, 
But they're talking about how in the years since then, we've made amazing uh, technological advances thanks to the alien technology. And you see all these things like helicopters that no longer have rotors because they have a fusion engine that propels them forward and hover cars and um, little tugs things with grabber arms that can fly up into the moon and, you know, in like two seconds because of the fusion engine. They talk about these fusion engines all the time and how everything is better for them, you know, jets and helicopters, everything, except ground vehicles because everybody still drives a regular car on the ground. These fusion engines are probably very expensive. I guess so, but literally, like, every the, – the sky is littered with these fusion engine vehicles everywhere, except for on the ground. There's, like, school buses and station wagons, and we uh, we have to check in with a couple of the characters, you know, Judd Hirsch from the first one and Vivica A. Fox from the first one. We have to check in with them obligatorily. And What's Vivica doing? She's not stripping still, is she? Oh, no. What's the natural career progression of a stripper? Lawyer. Doctor. Oh, doctor. We were close. So she's a doctor now. She's oh, some crow. <laughs> and uh, Judd Hirsch <sighs> wrote a book about how he saved the world because, you know, he was the one that suggested the virus to Jeff Goldblum accidentally. Mm. And now he's on tour to nursing homes, apparently, and has a boat out in the middle of the ocean. He. Well, he likes boats. He's amazing driver too, by the way. He uh, he hooks up with these teenage kids who are driving across country for some reason because you know they their parents were down in Florida and they assume when the Eastern Seaboard was wiped out that their parents must be dead. So let's just drive out west. Um, and he hooks up with them and they manage to make it from the Eastern Seaboard to Nevada, Area Fifty One, in the span of less than a day, I believe. That's some impressive driving. Isn't that impressive? That is impressive, yeah. Yeah, amongst all the gridlock and everything from all the other people trying to escape the devastation on the eastern seaboard. So basically what you're saying is you didn't really like this flick. I did not like this flick. I had a hard time Fair suspending enough. disbelief and poked a lot of holes in it. <clears throat> Fair enough. So, trailer you wanted to talk about. Uh, yes, I have one trailer I want to talk about. And this movie, to me, looks awesome based on the trailer, and it's called Carnage Park. Have you seen it? I have not. Okay, so when you watch the trailer, it really has that 70s grindhouse throwback feel to it, and the only character I recognized right off in the trailer was Alan Ruck. Okay. He plays like the sheriff, if you will. Uh, But essentially what what, what the flick is about is it's a... uh, crime thriller horror type movie and it takes place in 1978 and i'll just actually read the plot because it'll be easier that way that i i'm looking here and it says in 1978 two thieves scorpion joe and lenny escape into the desert after a failed heist only to come across carnage park a remote piece of california land owned by wyatt moss a veteran of the vietnam war skilled in marksmanship who has challenged them to survive or be killed Okay, so the trailer looks way better than that. Okay. Because <laughs> you're reading me the description, I'm like, nope. Yeah, no, so, no, the trailer looks way, 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 way better than what that, that plot line is. It just looks really cool. Looks like a cool throwback to uh, Grindhouse flick from the 70s, and I'm looking forward to it. Comes out on demand and in select theaters on July the 1st. So, yeah, that's uh, that sums me up this week. I saw a trailer that I think you saw as well, which was for HBO's upcoming series Westworld. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't. I thought we talked about that last week. 
No, I think that you and I talked about it personally over oh, okay. Messenger, but... Okay, that, yeah, I know. Westworld looks awesome. Doesn't it? Yeah. It, they just gave us the teaser, but if you've seen the movie from way back in the 80s, I believe, um, you yeah, kind of get the right. gist of it. Uh, but it seemed like they build it as part Matrix, part um, Jurassic Park for the West. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. I think that's going to be a hoot. Uh, the original movie was written by Michael Crichton, so ah. there you go. <laughs> so there's the Jurassic Park reference, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, the only other thing that I wanted to touch on were some casting things that I saw this week. Sure. Um, the girl who impersonated Black Canary at the tail end of this past season of Arrow. Yes. You know, she's coming back next season as Artemis, one of the vigilantes. Oh, really? Yep. They're going to make her a permanent figure. Um, they have cast their new Poison Ivy uh, Pamela Isley in Gotham, and it's a 28-year-old woman who's going to be playing a 19-year-old version of Isley, who apparently is just coming into her sexuality and wants to use that to impress things upon young Bruce. Wait so, a second, wait a second, wait a second. Yeah. They're aging Ivy from, like, 12 to 19? Yes, thank you. I, I don't know where they decided to do this, but suddenly it was like within three weeks they were like oh yeah we're going to be uh, recasting her to be a little bit older and then suddenly they're like yeah it's this 28 year old girl who's going to play a 19 year old so that's awesome they, they don't seem to be aging up Selena so I don't know how they're going to explain that but then again it's Gotham and nothing makes sense um, that annoys me a lot it annoys me because uh, they've introduced ooh. so many characters from the Batman realm into this realm but it does not make sense because Bruce Wayne is so young. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, Linda Carter is going to be the president of the United States on Supergirl. I think that's well, pretty impressive. That's pretty cool because she was Wonder Woman. Yeah. So the, apparently she's oh. going to be introduced right off and then she'll be around for a number of episodes. So I, I like, like that. that. Yeah. I like that. I can get behind that. And the last one that I saw was, um, remember at the end of Lucifer this past season, they said that, you know, somebody got out of hell and it was Mom. Yes. Well, they finally cast Mom. Who's Mom? Trisha Helfer. Oh, okay. <laughs> Again, something I can definitely get behind. Yeah, I can get behind that as well. I could see her as the mother of the devil. Yeah, I could totally could. <laughs> that's all I got. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I guess we should wrap it up. I got right. baseball games to get to, and my son, he uh, his, his ten U All Star team. They've made it to the finals of the uh, regionals tournament, but they have to beat the other team in two games today in order to uh, take the tournament home. You, you think they're going to do it? I don't know. River Valley pretty much skunked every other team they face, so it'll be it'll be tough. It'll be tough. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, it'll be tough. But nope. then again, uh, on Thursday, they lost 12 nothing to Monmouth, and they got mercyed, so they only played four and a half innings. And then they beat Monmouth 5-3 to three yesterday. So Interesting. We'll see, I guess. Well, best of luck to him and the team. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Well, hey, uh, feel free to drop us a note, a line, a message. We got the old Facebook page. We got the old Twitter account at uh, What Did You Watch? And you can find me. I'm at SuperstarML. And you can find me, I'm at the Quantum Geek. that's G33K. And, uh, yeah, I guess next week I'm going to talk about a documentary called Fastball. All right, something to look forward to. Yeah, cool. All right, talk cool. to you guys later. Later.